Yo, 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 check this out. This is Fresh Kid out of the China, man. Put the two eye boo. Yo, yo, what's up, y'all? It's me, DMC. What's up, y'all? This is the boy, Master B. Yo, check us out. Chuck the public enemy. Yo, what's up? This is DJ Yellow from the world's most dangerous group. What's up? This is DLC. This your boy, C. This is Jerry Heller, motherfucker. This your boy, DJ Paul K. Oil 365. Young Dizzy Ball. Vice One. Yo, this is DJ Reddy Brand. What up, what up, what up? This is the real Rick Ross. You can listen to me on the Murder Master Music Show. This is the show that shows no limits, broadcast nothing but the real Interviews with legendary artists, still got love for the underground feel Rappers with records, we're building and teaching the rappers are coming up, get up put on We need to the platform to fight the beast, the show that you need to be on Hit up UGS for life on the screen and follow up with us.com For all of your needs, production and mixing and master and graphics Check out the archives and hundreds of shows, buddy, it's kind of trying to evade all that disease and, you know, be safe, man. Yeah, likewise, man. It's yep. a scary yep. situation, especially for those of you who've got kids and family right now getting ready to go back to school. It's kind of uh, kind of crazy. Um, exactly. But uh, you, uh, you know what I'm saying, your, your music history uh, on the West Coast goes back several years uh, man, let, let, let's start at the beginning, man. Uh, how did you get involved in hip-hop? Man, I grew up in a, a musical household. You know, my father was in a band. You know what I mean? I grew up around a lot of percussion instruments and a lot of records and, you know, reel-to-reels and recording equipment, microphones and stuff like that. And this was... Uh... 
this was uh, uh, you know what I'm saying the early stages of hip hop or yeah yeah I mean I got into music in '89 I mean in 1980 I started DJing you know what I mean you know this was back in the Mantronics and Tita Rock you know BC Boys Ice T days you know what I mean very beginning of hip hop you know Run DMC and stuff like sure. that. You know what I mean? You started yep. right at the same time. A lot of the greats started, like, uh, you know, Mr. Mix, DJ Ready Red, um, you know what I'm saying, uh, a lot of a lot of dope DJs at that time. What what do you think is, is happened to the DJ uh, all these years later? It's almost like, um, you know what I'm saying, the DJ has been written out of hip-hop, so to speak. You don't have those elements like you used to. Yeah, facts, man. I mean... You know, sometimes they sleep on a DJ, but you know, we the we the machine. I mean, we 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 dropping the tracks and cutting and you know saying the uh, the rapper's name. You know what I mean? And how Jam Messages to get down with the yeah, dope samples. I mean, the whole nine. It's just a lot of artists want to get away from that. You know what I mean? They don't want to showcase the DJ. You know how the business is. They just want to get their money. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, they want to cut out as many middlemen as possible. Uh, but exactly. brother, you can't think of Run DMC without thinking of Jam Master J. You can't think of Two Live Crew without thinking of Mr. Mix or Ghetto Boy or exactly. Ghetto Boys without thinking of DJ Ready Red. Exactly. Um, exactly. You know, uh, now Richmond, uh, w- when did hip hop start to uh, come on the scene in Richmond? And was the early styles of the Richmond hip hop similar to New York or did it already have a West Coast sound? <laughs> Yeah, we had our West Coast flavor, you know what I'm saying, with the Calvin T's and the Spice Ones and the, you know what I mean. We always, we always, always, you know, try to be different, you know what I mean. The E40, we had our own little swag out here in Cali. You know, I, I pay homage to you know New York, you know, you know, with the groundbreaking of hip hop, you know what I mean. But at the same time, you know, when they seen California doing it, they thought it was like weird, but like. We showed them that we we just as dope as them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, uh, you know, No Limit Records. You know, uh, one of the biggest record companies of all times. So, uh, you know, seven hundred something million sold. I mean, just crazy amounts of of records sold throughout the world. Uh, you were part of the beginning stages of No Limit Records. Um, how did you meet Master P? And, you know, what were your first impressions of him? Yeah, I mean, I got introduced to Master P from one of my HCP members, my Hilltop Posse, my homeboy DJ Saint or whatever. And, um, you know, he went to P's store right there on San Pablo. And uh, his confidence wasn't as high. He was a hell of a baller and a football player. But, I mean, he just suggested that I go down there because he knew I had a little more you know, talent with my little turntablism, and um, I went down there and it just clicked right away. You know what I mean? So, my impression of him was, uh, I was impressed to see a black man having a studio and a, I mean, a, a, a record store and a cash register, basically. You know what I mean? Because you didn't really see that coming up. You know, we go to record stores, we go to Leopold's or different stories with always the white people selling the music, but, you know, I was impressed by that, you know, and, I, and he has a little hustle about him, and um, his swag was a little different, you know, being from the South, you know what I mean, but I admired his little, his hustle. 
Yeah, he 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 had the record store already when you met him. Yeah, he already had the record store. Like I said, my my partner took me down there, and um, we just clicked right away. You know what I mean? We started, you know, making moves. You know, doing interviews and recording. You know, I mean, I introduced him to K. Lou after we was kind of like tinkering around in a little studio that he created. But I had already, you know, been a little bit more advanced in the music, so I was like, this is cool, but, like, I know a guy with a real studio. And so that's when I introduced him to K. Lou, and we did that No Limit song, and then we did um, the What's the Deal there. The other two tracks, you know, Masterpiece Rolling and Why You Do What You Do was at a little house on the south side of Richmond. And so that's when it started clicking. And, you know, we eventually, you know, distributed that tape. You know, he was kind of like putting the tape together, you know, taking a picture of the insert. You know, he'll just put the little graphics down and uh, all the little font, and then he'll take a picture of it and put it in his little jewel case, you know, dub up a bunch of CDs, I mean, a bunch of tapes, you know, and distribute them. You know, so that was that was a cool movement because, I mean, with my ACP crew, we weren't really moving like that. So it was like, I, you know, I was really inspired by that. You know what I mean? So we, we I was did that. Say, and, you know, my... Some guy come <laughs> from New Orleans to Richmond. Um, right. He kind of he kind of brought some game with him then, huh? Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. He brought that hustle game with him. I mean, we had talked about it, but he was more being about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I will give him that. I will give him that. Even though the quality wasn't all that, but it was like, at least we had a product to show that we was trying to do something. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, at what point in time did you guys first start recording? At what point in time? I mean, right there in 89, I mean, when I met him, it was like days later. You know what I mean? We started recording, and I see that it was kind of janky. So that's when I said, you know what? K. Lou lived in my hood. We grew up in Hilltop, and we went over there, and then it just started. It really started bubbling, you know what I mean? As far as the quality wasn't there, like I said, the swag was different. You know what I mean? We was more the Dr. Dre's and you know the producers. You know what I mean? Even Paris and some of the you know producers in the Bay Area, JT, you know the Mac Mac Dre's and all of them. You know what I mean? We was like. We want our shit to be dope, you know what I mean? So, you know, I was just happy to, to kind of be with those a guys part of at the time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, most definitely. You know, but I just wanted to, I was just happy to be kind of moving with it. You know what I mean? At least we had some product out there. You know, but then when um, we got to K-Lose and we assembled a little CRU click, it started rolling a lot better, you know what I mean? But, um I don't know. Yeah, it was just <laughs> you wasn't feeling no the music. Who was doing the main main production at that time? K. Lou was. You know, I was coming up with different break beats and samples. You know what I mean? Um, kind of based off. So of you and K. Lou were you and not to cut you off, but you and K. Lou were kind of like the Dr. Dre and DJ Yellow of, of the No Limit. Exactly. At the time. Exactly. If it would have been our direction all the way, you know what I mean? But Master P was kind of, it was his vision, you know what I mean? So, 
But I was so helping he, fund it. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I was trying to be a general in the No Limit crew. I didn't just want to be a soldier, you know what I mean? So I was I was making it happen by any means necessary, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, when, when did um, TRU start to form, and who were the original members? It started in, like, ninety. And the members was uh, myself, you know, Master Scratch, and it was Master P, Big O. My homeboy Chili D was a HDP member, and then King George, Magic Mark, and Chill. Those were the original members. Okay, so uh, you sent me these pictures, and I'm looking at uh, there's a bunch of guys dressed like the Untouchables. Got guns and everything. Uh, that's you guys. Right. Uh, what was this? What was this picture for? That was going to be the original cover, but oh, you know, Master P. You know, he had a record store, so he'd go get his, some of his music. You know, all the people with record stores would go to Jason Blaine at the music people to get their records or whatever. So he kind of helped us distribute that that product. You know, what I mean, I guess he kind of didn't think that. He thought that cover was a little bit too racy, so that I was expecting to see it, but it just ended up being a you know black and white cover or whatever. But that was supposed to be the original cover. Yeah, I always wondered why it was the black, black and white cover, just lettering. Um, you know, what I'm saying why they never had a, a better graphics at the time uh, um, or, or a concept for the cover. Um, right. Why they thought it was too. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Too hardcore at the time? Is that what you said? I think so. Yeah, they thought it was too hardcore. Yeah. You know what I mean? But we was like trying to be like NWA. I mean, you look at some of the NWA covers, they sit in a circle, you know, they're looking down. They already got the guns or whatever, but, you know, it, it is what it is, you know what I mean? But I thought it was a dope cover, but a lot of people never seen that, you know? But that was yeah. all about the company type of shit, you know, they didn't want to. Um, you know, control things or whatever. Yeah, I never, I never seen any of those images either. Um, and the dope thing about it is, you know, uh, th- this stuff is coming out now. They're doing this No Limit mm-hmm. Chronicles. Um, <clears throat> did they get at you at all to try to uh, get your story? <laughs> um, not really. I mean, like my my son is, a, is, a, is an artist or whatever, and uh. He be recording at K. Lou, so I had to kind of remind K. Lou, you know, because I was anticipating blah blah blah, you know, with this stuff coming out, <clears throat> just to refresh his mind. Because when people get in the mix, you know, what I mean, they they forget where they came from or whatever. So, you know, what I mean, it is what it is. But I mean, I appreciate him kind of giving a plug. But I, I think Master P really was going to feel kind of guilty not including me anyway, because I mean, we was like. We was kind of like buddies, you know what I mean, riding around trying to do this music shit. And I got my little mini truck, and I'm the one that's driving us to all the spots. We're going to, you know, um, do shows and interviews. We went to the CMC uh, Music Channel. We did, like, a little video with, when Sonya was um, a rapper along with his sister, Jeremy, uh, I think her name is. They had, like, a little group a lot of people don't know about, but I DJ for them. <clears throat> then we did a little spot at the Soul Beat, you know what I mean? And we did a show that's an Oakland Army base. 
you know, we did interviews at KPOO. You know, we was out there campaigning, right? you know, driving around to San Francisco, knocking on the record executive doors, trying to get in there. You know what I mean? Like I said, I was like a – I was trying to be a general in no limit, not like a soldier, you know, so. Because we're helping, helping <laughs> putting in that work. Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. Well, you, you, know, you did the show uh, in uh, Oakland. Uh, I remember seeing in the uh, No Limit Chronicles, it got pretty crazy. Uh, uh, was that the one that um, you guys had to get out of there real quick? No, no, that was that was after. That was after. This was this was uh this was just when we was doing uh what's the deal? This was in '89. <clears throat> oh, this was just in '89. None of them cats was around, man. When the first TRU got formed, they tried to claim TRU, but took the shocker, C murder. None of them was there. You know what I mean? Master P went back and got them. But we, the Untouchables, all the cats that I named, we we was the one that was seated in P and lacing up his shoes, like and giving them this Bay Area game. You know what I mean? Like, and then he kind of dumped on us or whatever, but. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, we the so, ones that were there in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and everybody's story needs to be told. You know what I'm saying? Uh, um, so you were there uh, right when it started. Uh, at what point in time did you leave No Limit, and why did you leave? Well, what happened was <clears throat> when we got ready to sign the contract with the. No Limit Crew, we already had the uniforms and the products done. And, you know, like I tell everybody, you know, Donald Passman, I think that's his name, he wrote that, you know, everything you need to know about the music industry. You got to do that kind of stuff first. You got to sign the contract and then start recording. <laughs> you know, because people get that bravado. So basically it all came to an end because people, people got too cocky. You know what I mean? And so it all came tumbling down when uh, we got ready to sign those contracts. I mean, those contracts probably wasn't the greatest contracts, but we could have just, you know, took them to our lawyers, and you know what I mean? And we could have went farther if we just took it more professional, especially with some of the clique I brought into it because I had put a lot of time and energy into it. And um, I was just going to learn as I go. You know what I mean? That's how the music industry is, you know what I mean? But, like, it just came to a crushing end when uh went all bad with the contract. <laughs> just wasn't wasn't, yeah. wasn't what you were feeling, uh, obviously. Um, so did you, me, uh, me and Pete, me and Pete was the generals. You, you got along good, right? Yeah, me and Pete was like the generals, and it was just the untouchable crew. That yeah, some of them didn't feel right with the contract. You know what I mean? Uh, and yeah. you. Um, this other picture you sent me, uh, it's called Master P, What's the Deal? Is that him and you on the cover? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, bull yep. starter jacket. So this is like uh, 90. What tape was that? What's the deal? That was, like I said, that was the EP. That was the, first, that was the oh, okay. very first EP as Master that P. That was before a Mind of a Psychopath then. Exactly. Yep. That was the very first hit. It was just Master P and Grandmaster Scratch at that point. 
And did K. Lou do the production on that one, or was that one done by somebody else? Yeah, he did the No Limit, and then he did the What's the Deal, and the other two tracks we did at this spot in Richmond with a little bit of equipment that he had at the time. Oh. Yeah, it was real. It was it was real janky. So when we got to K. Lou's, you know, he was out his mother's garage, but it was like real impressive compared to what we was dealing with. And I had already knew that. That's why I suggested that we go over there. And that's where the connection with Master P and K. Lou came into. You know what I mean? So that was like a, a valuable connection right there. You know, like I said, we did the untouchable tape there. And then after that, it went all bad. But, you know, he kept, you know, recording at K. Lou's and, you know, it was, it was just a good Were you there for Getaway Clean? No, I wasn't there. Nah, after that so he, uh, he dropped that after uh, after you left. Was anything that you did uh, on that that project? Nope, I didn't do nothing on that project. Nope. Oh. You know, oh. we had like a little contract or whatever, and I was trying to be a part of the No Limit company. You know, but I was so green to the game that. I didn't know about the fictitious business names and this and that. You know, he went to the University of Houston, so he was a little bit more sharper than us. You know, so when we disassembled, he just kept using that untouchable name and just kept riding with it because he owned the name. Yeah. So he he uh, um, he just kept you know working with K. Lou and stuff, and and then as we know, the Getaway Clean, uh, Intermittent Records. Um, mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Now, now, in a minute, you know that label uh, at that time had Pooh Man, um, had um, you know RBL Posse, um, yeah. a lot of different, a lot of different artists in the Bay that were big already. Right. Um, yeah. But P P got in there early on as well. Um, but did were you with him on the road trip? To, when he went to uh, uh, L.A. to try to get a record deal off that Mind of a Psychopath? No, nah, I wasn't with him. Um, I was I was in my own lane, but I, you know, I was down with it. But it's like I had went to L.A. and I seen the tracks in the Carson uh, swap meet, and I was impressed. And then I seen him, you know, teasing my Uzi. But I heard about that story, how him and King went out there. But King, he came a little bit later. Like I said, he was on um, he was on Mind of a Psychopath. He did. I'm dealing keys, but um, in the very very beginning, he wasn't really around. You know, what I mean, he came a little bit later. But I knew Master P and him had some history because they were from Calio. You know what I mean? So I don't know if it's just a coincidence that both of them moved to the Bay Area. But um, yeah, yeah. But I, I I didn't know about that story. I mean. Nah, because I'll I, I be, you know, I was in the mix working, blah, blah, blah. So I would be at my regular job, which I still hold to this day, to tell you the truth. And um, I would be at work, and then I'd come home, and I'd put my scratches you know, on the on the track or whatever. So everything was moving fast, so I wouldn't be there for every little detail. You know what I mean? So that's what it was kind of like. I wasn't around them cats as much as I kind of like had a little – a little cool job, so I'm like, I'm thinking about this hip-hop shit, but I'm thinking at the same time, you know what I mean, like, security type of shit. Master P, 
he was like a gypsy, you know what I mean? He lived in the back of the store, you know what I mean? He just cut off a different cloth. I'm just trying to, you know, I didn't even have a family at the time. But I'm still just trying to eat, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he was definitely pinching pennies. Um, <laughs> he's seen something that a lot of people didn't see. Did you know he was going to make it to the level that he made it? Yep. Even even when like I little job, yeah. I knew it. I knew he was never gonna stop, and uh, it inspired me because I'm still DJing to this day. We got our little music movement where we showcase artists. You know, we had a couple gigs last year until the COVID kicked in. But like, you know, every time seeing them, you know, subliminally, it's it's lifting my spirits. But like, I didn't agree with a lot of shit that he did. You know what I mean? But um, the success part. I never thought he would take it that far. You know what I mean? But he did put me in that Vibe magazine under his family tree, and it was much love that he finally, you know, recognized me on the on the Chronicles or whatever. But I know I was there since day one. You know what I mean? Did he mention and, you um, in the Chronicle? Yeah. Uh, he didn't mention my name, but he just showed, like, six pictures of me. Oh, Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Touch, it's too bad he didn't mention the name, but at least you were in there. Uh, he yeah. mentioned you in Vibe, though. Yep, and even on the um, the ones that you see on the Chronicles are the ones from the Master P. What's the deal tape? The, the, the pictures of just me and him. That was from a photo shoot. That it was just we were trying to figure out what picture we wanted for the for the cover of the tape. Wow. Then it, then and then it goes into the untouchable. And you had these uh, these pictures that you sent me. You had these all these years. Word. Just, uh, yep. Wow, that's amazing. That's dope history right there. I appreciate you yeah. uh, getting in touch with me, though, um, because, um, that, man, we just had MC Big O on um, last week. We were chopping it up with him. And he was yeah, talking about dog. the early days as well. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he was one of the original members, too. Um, man, that's that's history, right there. Uh, did you ever run into Master P after uh, you know what I'm saying the the time you knew him in Richmond? Uh, no, nah, a little while we broke up. I was I was cruising through Berkeley and I seen him at King George, and they was in a little car or whatever. I'm in my little mini truck and uh, uh, I could have hollered at him then, but like once we disassembled, I went just back to my HDP crew and we try to make it happen, you know, but. In the midst of me messing with Master P, it was kind of like Ice Cube when he was in, um, you know, with Sir Jinx and him or whatever, and then he got with Dre. It was like, I don't want to just leave my crew type of thing. You know what I mean? So yeah. we just kind of, you know, went back in the studio and tried to make it happen, blah, blah, blah. But it wasn't the same because that's why I say the thing I admire about Master P is how he, his movement, you know what I mean? Even though it wasn't the greatest quality, but just like, he was just really fishing, you know what I mean? I like I like that. I never really seen yeah. a person move like that outside of him. Yeah, yeah. That's, 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 that's the real one, talk. That's just real talk. That's the one thing I always hear, uh, you know, his hustling abilities is just impeccable. Um, yeah. You know, and, and it is because, I mean, how do you walk into a, a, a established record company like Priority and just get what? an 85 or 80 deal? You know what I mean? It's yeah. like you gotta you gotta have some serious business skills to do that. Um, exactly. You know what I'm saying? So, 
Yeah, definitely. And plus a visionary. Most definitely. He made a lot of Most moves, definitely. like bringing Snoop yep. over. That was that was monstrous. At oh, that the was time. monumental. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. He's smart. He's smart. He's yeah. smart. You know, he oh, makes yeah, a lot absolutely. of moves, even with his Miatis and his, and his product now. I mean, every time somebody says something about it, I'm like, they might want to diss it, but, like, once again, he got product and you don't. So <laughs> I'm not mad at him. Yeah. You know, yeah, I'm not mad at all. Yeah, well, well, that that's good though, man. That's uh, you know, uh, hopefully someday, you know, if they uh, they do something down the line like a movie or something, they'll uh, get some input from you. I don't know why, you know, whenever companies do these documentaries and stuff, you would think they would go and do their homework. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. And have people like yourself included, you know. But uh, I got the homie uh, Sin from France. Uh, he wants to ask you a question or two, real quick. Uh, Sin, are you okay. there, brother? Yes, yes, sir. Hi, hi, Scott. Hi, uh, TJ Gorman, Mr. Scratch. Um, hey, how you doing? Is this Sin Dog from Cyprus? Yeah. Oh, word. What's up, boy? <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> uh, can you tell us about the? The earlier rappers, like uh, in the early days era, like uh, uh, Kelly G, uh, Marcus Bank, uh, you got uh, Daniel Fry or Fonzo, Sonia C. Can I tell you right. about this era back in the day? Some of the early uh, No Limit uh, uh, roster. Who, who, who were they and can you tell us about them? Oh, right, right, right. No, I really can't tell you because early on it was just us. You know what I mean? After after the first No Limit, after the first Untouchables got disassembled, then it was it wasn't even like maybe two or three months later, it would be a new poster up on the on the uh, polls saying you know get away clean or whatever the new Untouchables. You understand what I'm saying? So yeah. I wasn't I wasn't I didn't, I didn't follow after that. I didn't follow after that. I just I went in my own lane, and I became a family man and bought a house, and I've been here, you know what I mean? So I didn't really do it, but I still DJ. But I really I really uh, kind of shied away from the music business after that, you know what I'm saying? Because I kind of sacrificed my family, my music for my family, basically. I, I, I chose my family over my music. <laughs> uh, I can't knock you at all for that. Uh, how long yeah. were you uh, down with? How long were you down with No Limit before you left? Like from the time you met Master P to the time you stepped away, how long was that? It was like a three-year period. And like I said in the beginning, it was a friendship slash business, riding around, going to get food, dreaming about doing what he did. You understand? It, it was like that. But like he would always say. Me and Ronaldo, we going to Hollywood. He would always have big dreams, and I had those dreams too. You know what I mean? But I just kind of like took another lane, you know. But I'm still in it, you know what I mean? But it's just I never missed a soccer game or a basketball game or whatever. You know what I'm saying? So it is what it is at this point, you know what I mean? But hey, I, I salute you for that, from one father to another, because uh, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about, you know what I mean? Word, uh, word. That's what it's all you know, about. Being there for you your kids, mean? and and uh, you know, sometimes we have to make sacrifices. You know, and plus, you know, in all fairness and honesty to you too as well, 
even though you knew P was going places, surely you had no idea it was going to be 750 million units. No. You know, no maybe a gold not. or platinum plaque, you know, but um, exactly. he just went above and beyond anybody's expectations. No, he did. Priority. He did. And I knew he was going to do it. I mean, it was eight years into it, and then I've seen it, I've seen it coming to fruition, but that's how long it takes sometimes. I mean, you might be dabbling with it, but, like, if you look at the history, it'd be like six, seven years, eight years later, boom. You know what I mean? But you put in major work. You yeah. put in major work. You know, never having a regular job. Master P never had a regular job. You know, he just had that cash register at Long Limit Store. That's what, that's what I was so impressed about. Yeah, I've never seen him working at, uh, you know what I mean, uh, Walmart or whatever, you know what I mean, Costco. <laughs> you know what I mean? He was a, he always had that ambition. Hustling the music and, and uh he had that vision, that dream. Um yeah, he did. what about uh King George? When did you meet him and what were your first impressions of King George? King George was cool. I like King George. He got a good spirit, you know what I mean? He got good energy. He came in, you know, he did that, uh, I'm feeling keys, I'm I'm scratching Damn They Roofless from Ice Cube in the background through the whole song. It's like a little interlude. But I just like his swag. I mean, he got a cool little voice. But um, I used to run into King, you know, years later, pushing my mixtapes, and I was like, I see him trying to get his little hustle. I'm like, man, why, why Pete didn't come get you or whatever like that? Like, And I never really understood that, but I don't know. I used to see him out there a little bit like that, like. But I, I like King George, man. He's he a good dude. You know what I mean? Did King Pete George bring him in, like uh, from New Orleans? He just had him come up there. I don't know. Like I said, I think they just kind of just landed on the same part of the map, just coincidentally. How people migrate from the South to, you know, the Bay Area, Richmond, it's like a company town, more jobs. My grandparents did that. My wife's parents. Grandparents did the same thing. They happened to know each other. So, I don't know. I think it was one of those coincidences because, like I said, he wasn't around when we was doing the whole No Limit take. We was just out there trying to push it. And it was just – I never seen King George. And then it was just, like, kind of organically happening with my ACP crew member feeling left out. When I cooked up a P, I just told him, be patient because I know he's going to create the Untouchable group. And the same thing, I guess he was telling King George, and then after we finished our little tape, that we got together and we, we formed the Untouchables and shit. And then I brought my homeboy Chili D, he brought King George, and, you know, Big O came, Magic Marcus, Big O's cousin, and Chills, like a radio announcer from KPOO. And it just all kind of came together. We had like a little crew all hanging out in No Limit record store, you know what I mean? But Silk is all, see Murder and other dudes was around. I didn't, even, I didn't really meet them cats. You know what I mean? And so I think he brought them down I mean, after his brother Kevin was killed. Um, he, he did. didn't want them to, wanted, to meet the same fate. Um, yeah, he wanted to turn them into rappers or whatever. Which ain't nothing wrong with that. You know what I mean? He wanted yeah. to turn them into rappers, but I don't think the aspirations was that. But, I mean, they got in where they fit in, but, like, I didn't really know about them cats. King George seemed like he wanted to be a rapper, but I think Master P kind of coached his brother's and doing it, you know, they had a good career or whatever, you know what I mean? Little ups and downs or whatever, how the music business is, you know what I mean? A lot of demons and shit, you know what I mean? But it is what it is. Yeah. Similar was was wrong. Similar was wrong on the 
Nolly Beach earlier days, uh, did you meet him and uh, how it was to to be with him by his day? I'm sorry. I think Seymour came after, after you left, right? Yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he yeah. Did. Like a life yep. in the fast lane. <laughs> Remember yep. that? Yeah, yeah. That, yep. that was after me. That was after us. Yep. I know a lot of people, you know, big fans of that music, but I don't know, me being Bay, I didn't really bump a lot of that stuff, so <laughs> I don't really, you know, even know some of the names of the songs, just to tell you the truth, but I'm familiar with the West Coast Bad Boys, this and that, but I was kind of like in a in a state of, um, you know, it was like a surreal moment having all that stuff in like that, so I just kind of like just broke away, you know what I mean? I just broke away for no limit, but I knew I knew Pete wasn't gonna stop. And then people I worked with was always jocking him, you know what I mean. So I, I knew he was gonna I knew he was gonna do his thing, you know what I mean. Yeah, he had uh, he had definitely uh, uh, an eye for talent as well. Um, yeah, you know, but yeah, you, so so you were down down with him just for a couple of years. Um, but you got to see the the beginning of it, everything evolve. Um, what were some of your takeaways from Pete? Did you learn anything from him uh, over the time you you spent with him? Yeah, man, I learned um, you know how to be more business like, you know, working with contracts and just you know being vigilant and um, you know just being professional. You know what I mean? Just you know, even with my ACT, I mean. I never, you know, come late to gigs or, you know, never showed up to a gig or whatever like that. Like, this is work ethic, you know what I mean? But we both had, we both had the same work ethic. That's why if it, if it would have been a little bit more, you know, patient and maybe, um, you know, when you got a group of people, it's just the order that you take care of business. Like I said, if we just did all the business in the beginning and then recorded, it would have been different. But when you record and do everything first and you don't do the business, then it, it gets shaky. You know what I mean? So you got to let everybody know what page they own in the beginning. So then at the end, they don't have nothing to, nothing to say. You know what I mean? We already yeah. let you know what to expect. You know what I mean? So that's the order that we should have took. You know what I mean? But you just learned that we was 21. We was like 20 and 21 years old. We, we didn't really know. No, yeah, yeah. It was... Uh... You know, something that he just rolled the dice at the time. Um, yeah. You know, but the, uh, MC Big O said that uh, Master P modeled No Limit after uh, Easy and Ruthless. Was that uh, <laughs> his influences? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I didn't agree uh, a lot with also. You know, just like Mind of a Psychopath, I think uh, the Ghetto Boys had line, uh, Mind of a Lunatic or something like that. It's like, you can't keep biting off people's stuff like we we from the bay. We like we don't we don't want to. You got to be original, like you know what I mean. So, I mean, it was kind of you know you paying homage. Every artist really takes a piece of everybody, from Jimi Hendrix to Prince, and it just goes on and on. But you got to do it more camouflage, whatever. You know what I mean, I mean, people do it to this day. You know what I mean? It's like that Migos joint with that fifty cent sample. I mean. That shit is dope. I mean, but you got to do it in a clever way. You know what I mean? Don't just bite the whole ideal. You know what I mean? So you got to do it more clever. Uh, yeah. Uh, 
Well, that's like uh, Gangster Nip came out with, uh, you know what I'm saying, that, that real horrorcore stuff, and then uh, it spawned like a whole uh, genre of music, you know. Right. Um, and But at the time, uh, I rap a lot, you heard him. That was the only, you know, hard shit like that, though. Or, or right, like you said, right, Ghetto right. Boy's Mind of a Lunatic. Um, I guess that was Master P's way of doing a little bit of horrorcore uh, at right. the time. That's what I'm saying. Nothing wrong with that. Everybody do it. You know what I mean? But it's just the way you do it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You gotta. Uh, yeah. You know, like you said, if you pay it homage or, or or something, that's different. But yeah, you can't just just take something and, and run with it any old way you want to, like they do nowadays, no, no. man. Like you said, man. That's why a lot of people are getting sued. You know what I'm saying for samples mm-hmm. and different things and. Uh, you know, people are starting to come out of the woodworks and say, hey, man, that's my shit. So yeah, exactly. we're starting to see it. Um, man, I, I want to thank you again, man, for uh, coming on here. But before we get out of here, I want to find out what you got going on now. Um, and then I want you to kind of intro this uh, this uh, track that you sent me. But um, okay, what, what are you doing nowadays? Man, like I said, I'll be DJing, you know, a little nationwide gig and, and uh, our, our music art movement where we showcase artists and not only musical artists, but, you know, people that draw art, you know what I mean? So, oh, no. That's, that, yeah, we got a little um, Instagram, you know, it's called Musark Showcase, M-U-Z-A-R-T, you know, Showcase. So that's, that's one of our little biggest babies right now, but we we still, you know, Trying to get it in. I got my studio and um, DJing parties and just getting in where I fit in. That. Do you, um, you know, shout out to you for for keeping it going, man. Uh, but do you have any uh, of those early No Limit recordings? Yeah, most definitely. Like originals. Yep. Wow. Wow, that's yep. something right there. Man. That's something to go in the museum. 30 years later. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? A hip-hop hall of fame or, or something like that. Yeah. Most know? definitely. When people come in my house, they be tripping. They be like, he's famous. And I'm just a part of the first tape, and I ain't even rich. But, like, I just admire the hustle and being a part of the family. You know what I mean? Being a part of the yeah. Nolan family. I was saying you're a tank dog regardless because uh, no matter how long you were down with the team, you were uh, on those first Master P recordings uh, doing your thing. You know, um, what would he tell you, man? Like, I need a scratch here or there, or would he just turn you loose and let you do whatever you wanted? I don't know. I would kind of suggest things. Like, I'm one of them rappers, like, I mean, well, I like to compliment the main rapper with the ad libs, then I, I kind of do that with my scratching. You know what I mean? So yeah. it was the mind of a psychopath. It's like, uh, you dumb motherfucker from Richard Pryor. The mind of a psychopath. You dumb, you, you dumb motherfucker. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's what I would try to suggest with his rapping, just to kind of like add my cadence. That motherfucker, you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? That that was like the style I was trying to create with with him. You know what I mean? So. But he uh, he those was a good writer scratches, or whatever. Yeah. Those were dope scratches. To be honest with yeah, you, some it. of that early No Limit stuff, 
before Master P really came into his own, I liked the beats. You know what I'm saying? I like right. the uh, the cutting, the scratching, the different samples. Yeah. Uh, yep. And and that's what makes those early records dope. You know. Exactly. Uh, exactly. You know what I'm saying the musical. We just uh, didn't have that. We just didn't have that bottom like that 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 good bass. You know that that, that warm sound. You know what I mean to make it like more full. You know it was kind of hollow at the time, but we would eventually evolve to that. But I totally agree. You know that's real hip hop right there. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is, man. Um, you know, and and hopefully those listening can go back and check out all that stuff. We're gonna let you guys check out. You gave me uh, like a mix uh, with uh, uh, was it? This is the original EP. Yeah, it start off like I said with no limits. Then it go into uh, what's the deal? That's the original what's the deal EP. Those two tracks, and then it goes into. You know, the Untouchables' very first project. Of mine so these first two tracks, were these two, rele- was the, were these versions ever released? I mean, just on the streets, it was out that, like the out the trunk stuff. You know what I mean? Okay. It wasn't polished, but people, people was impressed with it because I was just, I thought it was genius that Master P would take a picture of a picture and, and then, you know, get the graphics and sit on the side, I mean, the font, and then bend the cover and put it in the jewel case. Because we didn't have these computers and printers like we got now. Or, you know, mailbox, et cetera, or whatever you yeah, got to go. Yeah, crafty we, with the scissors and paste, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I thought that was dope. I mean, seriously. I thought that yeah. was like, I, I wasn't ashamed of the shit. I mean, it was tacky a little bit, but it was better than nothing. You know what I mean? Because we couldn't afford it. Hey, no. <laughs> you know, it, it got the the uh, the point across, and it, yep. you know, eventually it went from that to uh, you know what I'm saying number one Billboard records and you know platinum exactly. plaques. And so it yep. started. That's the what we're talking about now, folks. This is the foundation. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. The very beginning. You can't you can't have a building without the foundation. It's impossible. Exactly. That's the brick and mortar. That's the humble beginning. Brick and mortar, man. That's uh, you know, uh, again, man. uh, Where would they be if it wasn't, you know, if certain people like yourself uh, weren't in the mix? You know what I'm saying? Everything has to click and align at the at the right time. And uh, it's like, yeah, it's like molding a basketball player, or Jordan, or Kobe. It's like. It takes a village. I mean, you got all these different coaches, and you're not doing all this stuff by yourself. I mean, you're learning as you go. You know what I mean? Everybody giving you a little bit of game. Were you the first, um, you know what I'm saying, act signed with No Limit? Or the first um, first artist or first member of True? Or who was the first one along with P? Well, I was actually the first one when he got to Cali. I met him at his store. You know what I mean? We made the uh, What's the Deal tape, starting off with the No Limit track, and then What's the Deal, which is the title track. And then, like I said, I introduced him to K. Lou. We did those tracks with K. Lou's. And the other two tracks, he kind of came with Cali with that uh, Masterpiece Road. This is all on the What's the Deal project. And then he had these other songs, like a slow joint called um, Why You Do What You Do. So, I mean, I was officially one of the first members of No Limit when, when P got to 
to Cali, you know what I mean, when my homeboy introduced me to him. And, you know, we went into this venture dreaming to be like Eric B. and Rakim and all the greats. You understand? So when the Untouchables was actually being formed, we came to a conclusion he needed more money. So that's when I invested some money and I got a contract. And we both signed it. You know, I was kind of green to the game, but, you know, I didn't know about having a witness and taking it to a lawyer. But, you know, I mean, I still got that paperwork to this day with the no limit stamp on it. That's why I always say I was trying to be a general and trying to be 50-50 in no limit records. You know what I'm saying? Like understanding the value of being an executive in a company and not just a, uh, you know, industry cat. You know what I mean? So yeah. So so you you initially invested in No Limit. Exactly. Exactly. And it was after the Worcester deal and the real first project for TRU. That's where the money was going towards, you know, and the contract states that we're gonna recoup the money and, and keep investment keep investment like you do when you when you're trying to build a business. You know, you want to get the ball rolling so you. Create the tapes. Jason Blaine helped distribute them. You know, I went to the swap meet in L.A. It was out there. You know what I mean? Like my homeboy Big O, it was it was floating around in all the little record stores, Cheese and Y.O.Z. and uh, Jones and Harris and all the little Bay Area. But when I went to L.A. before King George and them so-called took this trip because, I mean, <clears throat> I had a little bit more money because I was already working, you know what I mean, at a good job. You know, they were still kind of struggling with it, you know, I have been back and forth to L.A. a few times. We was all kids at that point, but I had, you know, when I graduated, I was going back and forth to to L.A. So I was already in that circuit, you know what I mean, going to, you know, I, I met DJ Young at the uh, Beach and the whole wrecking crew, you know what I mean? So I was already, I was already deep in it, you know what I'm saying? So when Pete came, you know, he had those dreams, and I was already kind of experiencing because I've been DJing since I was 12 years old. You understand what I'm saying? So I was there in the very beginning when all the real DJs started as far as cash money. Not cash money records, but DJ cash money from New York. You know what I mean? Grandmaster Flash and Jam Master J. You know what I'm saying? DX Team, Mr. Mint, Freddie Red. Um, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. You're part of that culture. You're part of that the, the exactly. art of, of uh, scratching and, and cutting and... Um, you know I, that that is missed right now in hip hop, man. Um, exactly. You know what I'm saying? That's definitely jazz. needed. You know, but yeah, yeah I, I'm looking at these pictures of you and Master P, man. You guys looked, you know, almost like that, you know, Jazzy Jeff and, and Fresh Prince type thing, like the uh, Rob Bass and Easy Rock or Eric B and Rock Kim, like the DJ and right. the and the rapper. That's how these pictures right. look. Was that how it was set up? Like, was it going to be like a Master P and DJ Grandmaster Scratch type thing at first? Exactly. That's where it was headed. That's what we were striving for. You know what I mean? That's why it was so organic. That's how it started, me being with another crew, similar to, similar to Ice, um, Ice Cube having Sir Jinx and a little, you know, CIA crew. I forget the name of them, but, you know, before they merged with Ruthless, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was like, I didn't yeah. want, yeah, see, I, I didn't want to leave my little XTC crew. There you go. You know what I mean? So that's why I brought my homeboy Chili D in it, because I was still holding on to my roots of HTP. And when you hear No Limit, he's shouting us out at the end, talking about Richmond, HTP, and K. Lou, because 
I wanted to get those credits. You understand what I'm saying? Because I already knew how powerful that was. I wasn't just jumping on no, no limit right away, but when I made that investment, hell yeah, I was trying to be definitely part of no limit because I could see where it was going as far as his ambition. You understand what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, it was more. It was more of a serious business than us growing up, loving Run DMC and growing up with all the music. But when I met P, I had a feeling that, you know, he was going to take it to where he took it, regardless of how it started out. Like I said, we had product to show. A lot of people didn't have that in the hood, and it was like two short selling CDs to open and going to Royal Park and, and catering to all the D boys out there with his music. It was, it was the same movement. So that's why, I mean, regardless how it looked, I, I was with it. You know what I mean? I was definitely with it. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, it, it looked like you guys were going for that type of uh, vibe right there. Um, yeah. And and uh, uh, so, so the, you know, the music starts getting made, you know what I'm saying? You had the connections, you know what I'm saying? You weren't green to this. You already uh, yep. were, were establishing yourself as a DJ in the music scene there. Uh, now, Chili, uh, that's Chili Powder, right? Uh, Chili D. See, Chili Powder came afterwards. This was at the very beginning, the first TRU. You know what I mean? Okay. Like I say, Chili D, Chili D and P, they used to kind of clash. And I would have took it farther maybe if I hadn't brought him into the group. But he was my member. I grew up with him. So at the end of the day, I never had no regrets with that. But, like, all the beef my homeboy Chili D had was, was, was real talk because we was cut off a different cloth, you know, like, if we say, if he said I got funk, what do I do? Get on the telly and call up my crew. He'd be like, "What is funk?" You know, he'd always want to have writing credits and try to change our words. But we was like, we the bay, so we spoke, you know, the the language that we spoke. You know what I mean? Just like E40, you know, with his language. You know what I mean? We had our own style. So you know, he yeah. wanted to try to change that, and my homeboy didn't want it. I didn't really want it either because we was more trying to be like the great. You know what I mean? So he just didn't really understand that language at the time. So he was trying to take it somewhere else, and you guys kind of didn't understand where he was coming from, you know, him being from the South. You know, um, the head had been, like, pretty uh, pretty awkward at first, you know what I'm saying? This dude comes comes in from out of town, and within a couple of years, he's, he's just taking over the hip-hop game, you know? Yeah, um, word. You know, did you see that happening, though? Did you see I mean, you knew he had the hustler's ambition, but did you yeah. know he was going to take it that far? To tell you the truth, I knew he was because he never had a regular job. You know what I mean? So he always was a hustler, you know what I mean? Like, I'm in the, I'm in the workforce. Like, I was doing my little job, so I'm, I'm thinking I made it at that point, but I'm still trying to embrace this hip-hop shit, but I'm like, at the time, not thinking he going to take it that far, but at the same time, I knew his hunger was so strong that he was going to do something. You know, I, I always use that timeline as a structure because it's like from like a six to seven, eight-year period of you grinding, you know, and being really passionate about your craft, you're going to end up seeing something happen. You know what I mean? It's persistence, and that's what he had. He had that. He had his longevity. I knew, I knew he had it. And people I was working with started, you know, talking about him. And um, I'm like, yeah, I, said, I knew he, he wasn't ever going to stop, you know what I mean? But, like, I chose another lane. I'm still in it. But, you know, 
just like a lot of interviews I'm hearing, you know, a lot of people like to sensationalize these stories and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> you know, the, the, the TRU picture. I mean, I, I, I chose that spot. You know what I mean? Because I'm from Hilltop. Like King George and they got these different valleys, but like I'm the one that scoped that spot out because you know they build a mall and then they build the outskirts of a mall, but you know they did the excavation, but the the buildings weren't actually set. So I've seen some of these spots where I knew we could dip in there and take those pictures. You know what I mean? But you know it's been 30 years. You know what I mean? So a lot of people they like to you know glamorize a lot of stuff, but I'm just trying to let the truth be known, the real truth. You know what I mean? Like some of the rich men getting laced up, you know, when he came out with that song, uh, Lay Low or whatever, you know, I was really shocked he was on that track, but he was like shouting out Richmond. And I'm a mixtape DJ, so I made a little, you know, little comment on there saying, you know, he came to Richmond and we laced his shoes up, then he took off, you know what I mean? And it's real talk because, I mean, when you when you get baptized with the Richmond vibe and our whole little hip-hop culture, it does something to you. You know, the timing got to do with everything. You know, if he hadn't came to Richmond and me and I hooking him up with K. Lou, you never know how his career would have took off. It would have been, you looking for, you know, a dope studio to go to. So it would have been a more, it might have been years before you found that. Because uh, K. Lou wasn't even really into hip-hop. You know, they did the N2B joint, but he was more like a cameo uh, R&B type of cat. You understand what I'm saying? So... He had he had the skills, and that's what made his music dope. He played instruments, and he knew his instrumentation, and he knew how to do it via audio engineer. You know what I mean? So, obviously, well, after you, we got to the symbol, they still kept going to K-Lo, so that just lets you know it was a good spot to be at. Were you around for the uh, Into Deep uh, beef or whatever that they had? Uh, as far as who? Didn't P and uh, Master P and Into Deep have a beef or something at one time, or I might well, be mistaken. Sure. No, I'm not sure. Maybe I wouldn't doubt it. But um, how long total though were you uh, were you working with P from the time he uh, touched down to the time you decided uh, uh, to leave? You said how long did I work with him? Yeah. We worked together as far as um, probably three years, two and a half years, from 89 to 90, almost leading to 92. You know, okay. I mean, started so, off, so you were there for the yeah. first couple projects then? Exactly. The very first project. You know, on the cover is me and him. What's the deal? King yeah. George ain't there. Simpson Shocker ain't there. None of them cats. Big old nobody. It was just me and Pete. And then, yeah, like, Silk was you know, everybody. Kid, and I don't think he called for C murder at that time yet. Um, but, yeah. but eventually, uh, the tragedy struck. You know, Kevin uh, got killed. Um, yeah. Man, that had to have been horrible uh, um, to see he, uh, your brother and your friend go through that. Oh, yeah, most definitely. That was tragic. That was tragic. You know, especially being so young, you know what I mean? And, Having a lot of weight on his back, trying to take care of little Romeo and Sonia and the whole family, you know what I mean? Like, I admire him for, you know, going through that kind of stuff, living in the back of the store and everything like you see on the No Limit Chronicles. uh, It would be like I went to his house, he did a show, and the next day I would go there, and he would just be moved out. You understand what I'm saying? Like, he had that type of 
drive and, you know, that gypsy type of lifestyle where he could just do that, you know, to just save money and put it into his music. You know what I mean? A lot of people not cut off that far. You know what I mean? That's sacrifice. Yeah, that's definitely sacrifice, you know. So, that's one of the I'll things you got to respect about the guy. Um, exactly. That's kind of like Stallone. When Stallone was making Rocky, he sold his, his dog. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he couldn't even exactly. afford to feed no. the dog. So, yeah, no, yeah. No. And gotta, a year later, you, he's, like you know, at the Oscars. So, you got to admire yeah, a guy yeah. like that. I mean, everybody got cut off that clock, you know? Yeah. Definitely, Definitely had to uh, do. yeah, oh yeah, man, and you know now at the the No Limit Chronicles, uh, I imagine that's just the beginning. I see a, a lot of stuff happening. Like they're getting ready to make another easy, uh, e- an easy e project. You know what I'm saying? Um, and Straight Outta Compton came out five years ago, so you know they're going to keep doing more No Limit stuff. Has anybody approached second. you to to get your story? No, nah, not yet. You know, I hope they do. You know, what I mean, Cause I think I'm a valuable part of the story. You know, what I mean, that's why I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I never thought of this or something like that. Real talk. Yeah, I'm just happy that he made it to that success. I mean, to tell you the truth, I mean, I mirror his 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 energy. You know, just the way I carry myself and being successful with my DJ career and still being in this music. It ain't like. I'm not a part of it. You know, my kids is, you know, they bloggers, they they in the videotaping and my son DJ and rap, you know what I mean? So it's, it's like I never let it go and I'm never going to stop doing music, you know what I mean? And uh he he's part of the reason for that, you know what I'm saying? He is yeah. part of the reason that, for that. And all the people that doubted him, I never really had conversations about it because me and Chili D kind of like fell out over this shit because it was like I wanted to keep rolling, but I went with my original crew members, you know, when we got disassembled. But I never had to say I told you so because all you got to do is turn on the TV. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's right there in your face. So, <laughs> yeah. what more can you say? But I don't have In no the form of uh, uh, rap snacks, rap noodles. I mean, the guy's a marketing <laughs> genius. You know, um, yeah. I mean, there's just, uh, um, well, he has the ability to reinvent himself over the years, you know. No, um, most definitely. Not a lot of people do that. Plus, no one's really came in and took the game by storm like him. I mean, Easy did what he did. Luke did what he did. Uh, Jay yeah. Prince did what he did. But P was just a, a whole nother level. Um, yeah, he was. And and if you look at the early In A Minute stuff, you know, and, and, and before that, uh, what he did with you, you could see, okay, there's going to be a lot of projects coming. Like he's setting up the, yep. the TRU. I, like I'm, I imagine you were going to do probably uh, mixtapes or something, uh, have your own mm-hmm. stuff. Were there plans yep. for stuff like that? Yeah, it was until, you know, the drama hit. You know what I mean? That's why I tell a lot of people, you know, when you're doing the music, you know, you got to get the contracts and the paperwork straight first because, you know, once you get the uniform and you got your little, the music, and then you try to handle the business, that's what happened to us. You know, you read Donald Passman's book, you know, all you need to know about the music business. He said, before you even get a piece of equipment, read this book because you got to think about it. They call it the music business for a reason. It's 90% business and 10% music and studio. You know what I mean? So 
that was one of our mistakes, not taking care of the the business in the beginning so everybody could be clear of where they were. You understand what I'm saying? Because that's what kind of broke us up when we got ready yeah. to sign the contract. But it wasn't like I had signed a contract because me and Pete had already had a deal and all the untouchables, they didn't feel comfortable with it. So that's when everything started breaking apart. But if it would have been more of a professional level, we weren't so, so young, you just would have been like, I'm going to take this to my lawyer and let him look it over. You understand what I'm saying? Instead of just talking shit and then everything gets disassembled. Yeah, and that happens so much in uh, hip-hop. Because, and, 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 you know, you're right, man. A lot of guys, they get into, like, like Ice Cube, when he was in the NWA, he was 17. You know, LL Cool right. J signed to Def Jam at 14. So when you're this yeah. young, people still don't know what the hell's going on. You know what I'm no, saying? No, uh, And uh, I, I believe if uh, things would have worked out, you know, uh, you know, Richmond would have been right there with the uh, the West Coast bad boys and, there could have been a no limit yep. branch continuously in the West Coast while he was running the um the stuff in New Orleans. You know, but uh yep. but um you know, it, it is what it is. But you said, man, the talent goes on. You said your son is doing some uh DJing as well. He p- picked up on the ones and twos. Yeah, yeah he did that. He called himself the Don Roddy, you know what I mean? You can check out his um uh, SoundCloud. But um yeah, he got it, you know what I mean? But um, once again, you know, with my history, you know what I mean, knowing P and all this and that, and he see the pictures and all this stuff, and the hip-hop he grew up around, he think doors are going to magically open up for him, and <laughs> you got to grind at it. I mean, he didn't get there for no reason. I got a little, a little um, cone in my studio that says, you know, opportunity happens when... <laughs> Success happens when you when you need opportunity or whatever it says, but it's like you gotta you gotta work at it basically. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not gonna just magically happen for you, you know. No you work at it. Talent and, is one and, thing and, and longevity. You I, I mean you know, you, you gotta be in it for the long haul. You know, Exactly. Um, uh but yeah, man, that's that's history right there. When you see this yeah. stuff, uh, you know what I'm saying, uh, um on, on BET and, and whatnot, does that make you, you know what I'm saying, reminisce and think about them old days? Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. I was just happy that I got my little 15 minutes of fame because uh, <laughs> it's a good feeling with some of my homeboys. You know, I said, we do these little shows. We got a little Muzark movement. They'd be like, man, what's up, all the So I got to see you on TV or whatever. You know, that's, that's a good feeling. Even though they didn't mention my name, but obviously they put my picture in there with just me and Pete like maybe four or five times. So, you know, it's just a connection right there. Like I said, we started out with partners. It wasn't even about the money, you know. When the money comes in, it kind of messes things up. You know, that's where our goal is at the same yeah. time is just the way just the way that you, you handle it. Like people that lust for money, you know, that's why they say the money is the root of all evil. You know, you don't want to help people and be a philanthropist, philanthropist and give money back once you get to that successful moment because how good is it going to feel just for you to be on the top and not be able to share it with somebody? You know what I mean? You got to, uh, yeah, man. I mean, there's people in, um, you know, the rap world that I helped uh, further their career. 
and mm-hmm. uh, they get to a point where uh, you can't reach them no more. You can't even talk to them. They forget. Exactly. They forget a lot of people along the way sometimes, and that they happens. P's one do. of them dudes, man. I can't get an interview with him for nothing, and I and I interviewed him in Murder Dog <laughs> on the cover. Probably six or seven times. You hear a drop at the beginning of the show. He gave me a drop for this show, like 2004, right. 2005. So, right. you know, they know you when um, yeah. they want to know you. You know, and that's exactly. just how the rap game is, man. The rap game is crazy. But I, I'll tell you what, I'm real happy we were able to, to put some words to that face that they've shown in uh, No Limit Chronicles with our interviews, man. Okay. Uh, I, I got, it. I got, uh, hey man, it's an honor. I got a brother um, overseas. His name is uh, DJ Laura Sinister. He um, he wants to ask you a couple questions. Um, okay, man. What's up? Sin, uh, yes, you there, brother? Yes, yes, sir. Hi, hi, Scott. Hi, uh, Drummaster Scratch. Um, yes, can you tell us about the? The record store, uh, Master P, uh, created in Richmond. It was um, a store before level. Tell us about uh, about this back in the day. Mm-hmm. About meeting P in Richmond. Yeah. That was yeah. Just saying. I'm sorry. No, I want to ask you about the the, the record store he did. He created the record store in, uh, in Richmond. Yeah, yeah. I just met him in Richmond through one of my buddies that used to go. To, you know, he see a new record store. We always looking for records, and he seen that Master P had opened up that No Limit record store, and um, he was telling him that he was a DJ, and he and P was like, "I'm looking for a DJ." And then uh, my partner, you know, he he didn't really have the confidence, so he he asked me to go down there, and that's how I met P. You know what I mean? And, um, when I went down there, I just felt the vibe from him, and we just, like, it was days later that we started recording, you know what I mean? It was days later. I mean, it was just like an instant instant connection because I had the same ambitions that he had. And seeing a young man with a record store and a cash register and, you know, a little bit of videos, and you know what I mean? I, I, I really admired that because he, he was just he was getting his little hustle on. Like, he wasn't trying to work at UPS and, you know, have a regular job. I mean, so I, I really admired that. Okay, yes. And um, can you tell us about the, the deal of Master P with uh, NH Records Utah Oakland in 91? How it was to, to for him? In a minute records. How did you guys get the deal? Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. the in a minute? Yeah, that was, that was a little bit, that was after me. You know what I mean? So, I was just a part of the original Western deal and the first Untouchable group. And I think in a minute it had something to do with Jason Blaine because he helped us out with the first project with Mind of a Psychopath and Life Ain't Nothing But Bitches and Money and this and that. Um, all because Master P would, if you had a record store, you were allowed to the music people to get your supplies. So you would have to, like, get buzzed in. And I was impressed by that because... I didn't know nobody else for the record store, so we go to Jason Bland, you know, you hit the little button, buzz you in there, they got a whole bunch of eight by ten glossies by anybody you could think of that's from R and B artists to hip hop. And um we got close to Jason, so 
he started seeing our music and he was knowing that the rap was really popular, so he ended up distributing that tape for us, the very first Untouchable tape, all because of the connection of Pete having that record store. That was the only way he was able to get close to Jason. He probably would have never met him outside of having a record store. So that was a good feeling, too, to be back in the back of the store playing Mind of a Psychopath, and we had a couple little mixer parties, and, yeah, you know, they had this little area kind of like with this paper around it where you couldn't really see it, but we met LL Cool J there, and Richie Rich was there, and we was signing our little 8x10 glossy, the little untouchable picture that you see on the No Limit Chronicles, and uh, we felt like we was on our way. You know what I mean? With the LL Cool J and Richie Rich. Not to cut you off, but you said yeah. LL Cool J and Richie Rich was at Master P's record store signing autographs? No, this was at this little mixer party that we had for um, Jason Blaine when he when he helped distribute our, our first. Oh, un- Blaine. Okay, yeah, In a Minute yeah. Records. My bad. Yeah, yeah, In a Minute Records. Yeah, so. yeah, the Whispers was there. I mean, it, it was hella dope. I mean,. We had our little no limit hats on, you know. Not not many people knew who we were, but we looked like we was going somewhere. You know what I mean? So that that was really yeah. dope. Yeah. Yeah. Did you remember the the very first track he did, or uh, or some tracks he didn't release, unreleased tracks he did? Uh, do you remember some 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 of the tracks he did? The first track mm-hmm. and even some unreleased tracks. Yeah. yeah, you have any unreleased No Limit stuff, and what was the first one? Yeah, like I said, that that, that will be in that no that will be in the What's the Deal category. All those tracks will be in What's the Deal. You know what I mean? It was a, it was an EP. It was four tracks. The first the first track was Masterpiece Rolling. Then he had a No Limit song, and then Why You Do What You Do was like a slow song, and then um, the last track was uh, What's the Deal, and those are really track that people have never heard before. You know, I think he didn't really want to talk about them because they was rough tracks, you know what I mean? He was rushing things, and I'm like a perfectionist, so I wanted to have it, you know, tighter, but at the same time, like I said, at least we had something to show. You know what I mean? But I was like, I was kind of tripping because I'm like, if I make one mistake, I'm going to try to go back and fix it, and he'd just be like, yeah, leave that shit like it is. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, he just—he just, he, he didn't really. It wasn't like he didn't care. <laughs> he just had to do what he had to do to, with the studio time that we had, that little window opportunity that we had for the studio, and the, and the amount of money that we was working with, you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I would say, I would say, over all the No Limit projects, the Western deal is the one that nobody never really heard, and. The No Limit song is, is pretty dope because it's bass heavy and my scratching is cool. And then What's the Deal is kind of New York bass. Uh, Why You Do What You Do is slow. They got a couple R&B singers on there harmonizing. It, it was creative, but you wouldn't even think he would be coming from that area. And then uh, Masterpiece Rolling got Sonya on the hook, you know, saying, Masterpiece Rolling on the MIC. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it, it's pretty, I mean, it's it's decent for the time. You know what I mean? I grew up on Tito Rock and Mantronics and you know what I mean? They had bass heavy shit, you know what I mean? Like PSK and some of the reverbs are turned up high and you got the you know, the ice teas that came later and the music started getting more polished, especially with the West Coast vibe. 
You know what I mean? Our shit was more like a, a cinematography. It was like a movie. And, and uh, New York was a little bit more gritty. But when Dr. Dre and them came with the chronic and some of the earlier stuff, even with the world-class wrecking crew, it was more techno, but it was clean. It was super clean, like African Bambada and, you know, all that type of music, you know what I mean? It, it was really clean. So I, I would always strive for that, that sound. But that would have happened eventually once we would have kept fucking with Kane Little and, you know, how Master P music ended up turning out for Beats by the Pound, you know, New, New Orleans is more, you know, more horns and, you know, stuff like that, you know what I mean? But if we just say Bay Area and just, you know, K. Luton produced tracks with Mac Dre. He, he got, like, a lot of hits. He's 40 and blah, blah, blah. So we were looking for that real polished sound, you know what I mean? But Master P really didn't – he didn't know about that because he didn't grow up with all that kind of music, you know what I mean? He yeah. grew up on uh, Too Short and Spice One. And all their tracks are super clean, you know what I mean? So that's what we always try to strive for. Yeah. Yeah, well, you guys, yeah. you know – as did uh, you laid you helped lay the foundation, you know? And I'm yep. glad you're able to tell your story, and um, you know, I hope uh, you know what I'm saying uh, you get the opportunity uh, again in the future. What about any uh, music, man? Do you still uh, do any uh, cutting and scratching yourself? Oh yeah, most definitely, most definitely. Um, the last gig I did was in December before the COVID kicked off. It was a corporate gig, you know what I mean, but. We got our Muzark showcase where we showcase artists, and, you know. So I'm 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 putting on the beats for all the artists, you know what I mean. So I'm still in it, you know what I mean. It's just it's just a part of my part of my soul or whatever. Like you know what I mean. It's just something I'm never gonna stop doing. God God willing, you know what I mean. But I'm still current, you know what I mean. Like. <laughs> Right now, I can DJ at party right now. I mean, you go to my little YouTube, you can see a couple ones that I did on Grandmaster Scratch. Uh, but, you know, it's just because of COVID. You know what I mean? I ain't had no gigs. I've been DJing since I was 12 years old. And so I'm 52, so it's going to be, you know, I'm like 40 years into it. It's probably be the first year I never DJ at a party. Wow. I mean, that's how I consider it. Yeah. All because of this COVID-19. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this shit came out of nowhere, man. It, uh, it's crazy. You yeah, know, I, forty years. You know, people thought, people didn't think this could happen, and when it did, nah. um, people were just like, "What the fuck?" We we all don't know what to do. It fucked everything up, man. Everything. Yeah, did. I mean, they lost. They losing billions. I think they said like maybe two or three billion that the, that the industry is losing. And I go to concerts. I go to like four, five or six concerts a year. You know what I mean? Seeing Bobby Caldwell, you know, going to the uh, the Soul Fest at the Concert uh, Pavilion, and just annual gigs that you used to going to. You know what I mean? Embracing them old artists. Like I seen Club Nouveau over there recently, and you know what I mean? It's just Lakeside and. Um, the cameo, they barely getting around, but they still doing it. Like those artists don't have to make no new music and still have the luxury of going out every year and getting their money. And now everything has changed. You know what I mean? Like we kinda of like all on the same level right now. Even with the yeah, athletes, Sin, you know, even Sid in France. Uh Sin yeah. DJs every Saturday over there in France. He ain't he hasn't been able to do, be able to do that. Uh um, you know yes, <laughs> that's crazy. 
Yeah, he's yeah, on the ones is. and twos also, man. Yeah, yeah, that's what's up. Much love to the DJs, man. You got to keep us alive. Like I say, like, Eric B, you couldn't yeah. say Eric B without Rakim. You couldn't say Jam After Day without Run DMC. And then as time went by, the rapper wanted to try to do it on their own. But we was like the, the orchestrator. We had dropped the tracks and, you know, like T-Rock and C.O. Smooth. I mean, it's like a, it's like you work in the unison like a basketball player. You know what I mean? You know, now a lot of people got away from that. You know, but that's what made hip-hop real great for me, that DJ. That's why I'm, that's why I still never stop DJing. Yeah, man, that's that long live the DJs. Two years ago today, I want to say this too before we leave. Uh, two years ago today, uh, uh, the world lost DJ Ready Red. Uh, hell of a uh, DJ, the the, the first guy to make Tony Montana sing on a record, uh, and many yeah. have done that since. You know, he never got credit right. for it either. Um, Damn. You know, but uh, true that's pioneer, funny. man. True pioneer. Yeah. Uh, man, shout out to you. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. And uh, we definitely want to have you on again. I want to do actually. I want to do a Richmond No Limit uh, Richmond Roundtable. Uh, if we, if we can make that happen, yeah. If we can make that happen with you, Big O, uh, Chili, uh, uh, whoever else wants to be a part of yep. it. Uh, yeah. You know, and I, I, I mean, of course, I know it won't happen, but I, I would love for Master P to be a part of it uh, as right. well. You know, yeah, that would be yeah. uh, that would be awesome to hear all you guys just reminiscing about those particular days. You know, that would be uh, great. That would be great. Cause even I can King say, George, I imagine you and King George haven't spoken in years, have you? Nope, nope. I used to see him over there at Rasputin in San Diego, trying to push his little CDs, and I was pushing my mixtape. But I was like, wonder why Master P didn't take care of him. You know what I mean, like. Yeah, he seemed pretty hurt in the documentary, man. I think there was a moment where he he, he broke down a little bit. Yeah, uh, he, did. he did. You know, that's yeah. uh, you know, I, I, you see, you think sometimes all time heals all wounds, but um, apparently, you know, sometimes it just doesn't. I don't know. P's P's going uh, uh, through a lot of shit right now too himself. Um, I yeah, know. Yeah. Um, I've seen him. Um, he, he made a, a, a video the other day, uh, uh, and then of course, see murder man. Uh, man, everybody's yep. hoping he can get out. You know, yep. been in there. I interviewed see murder in 2004, like when he, you know, not not long after he went in, 2003 maybe. Is that right? Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. I interviewed him a few times um, mm-hmm. since he's been in there, and, and uh, it, it's it's sad that he's still in there all this time later. I mean, there's so much evidence in his favor, you know. Um, yeah. But the system's real corrupt down there. It's it's crazy yeah, it corrupt is. down there. I wouldn't you know. wish that on nobody, man. I mean, no. I mean, that's a sad situation. Yeah. A sad situation. But King George, he was cool. It was always a mystery, but I think go back to Kevin. You know, everybody want to, you know, lust for this money, but I think, like, you know, when Easy, uh, when Dr. Dre brothers died and they was on the road, they all embraced him and said, you know, we, you still got more brothers with us. Like, they didn't really take that time and mourn. They just was worried about the business, and I think that's what made Pete say, you know what, I'm not fucking with them because they just, like, 
they just don't want to. It's a sensitive time, you know what I mean? So if you also just lusting off of money and can't just pump your brakes for a minute to help me mourn with my brother, then that, I think that puts them the wrong way, you know what I mean? So a lot of people, yeah. I mean, just like I said, a lot of these interviews I hear and a lot of sensationalism and it just shows you how people hunger for this fame, you know what I mean? And what makes me happy is if I DJ a gig and everybody's saying, good job, DJ, good job, DJ, and I might have made a few racks, but it's just like that's more rewarding to me than money, you understand? Because I'm just trying to do my job and please these people. I'm not just lusting for this money. The money is going to come, you know what I mean? I just want to make everybody happy and have that kind of energy where, Everybody is just vibing. Then I feel like I did my job instead of just going up there and just putting on some whack tracks and just, you know, going through the motions. I'm really trying to, like, entertain the people. So that's why I still love music because um, I like to make people happy. Yeah, yeah, it's a universal language, man. That's the one thing that uh one common bond that all humans around the globe have we all love music you know you hit it right on the head universal language well, it, universal it's language. mind stimulation man it's uh you know what i'm saying it brings out emotions so you know, if uh if music is done right it's gonna uh it's gonna make you re- either reflect or or, yeah. or make you Think you know what I'm saying? It's, it's uh, exactly. it's powerful stuff. It's powerful stuff. That's why all civilizations have, have used it for what thousands of years. You know, as long That's as we've I been embrace here. all, I embrace all genres from sting to opera to rock, country. You know, what yeah, I mean? all like, I'm not. I don't discriminate on nothing. You know, what I mean, I just embrace it all. I can only deal with certain genres for a certain period of time. But you yeah. know, I got my lane that I'm I'm in, but I embrace it all. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm in the '90s hip hop lane, but yeah, you're right, man. I you might I, I might be bumping Phil Collins, and then I might go exactly. back and, and listen to Grand Funk Railroad or Fats Domino. I don't, you know, what I'm saying exactly. I mean, you know, exactly. There's so much. Uh, it's it's limitless. There's no limit to, yep. to the, the music out there. But hey, uh, uh, Grandmaster Scratch, again, I want to thank you for taking the time out to do this. And, uh, you know, uh, we'll be at you real soon, man. Let's put together this uh, Richmond yeah. Roundtable and see if we can, well, uh, you know, maybe even get P involved. That would be dope right there. You know, yeah, I, think, cause I, I really think, man, you guys haven't talked. You know, I really think if you guys talk, um, yep. you know, it, it would be a good thing. It would be a positive thing. It would. It would. It would. I mean, it ain't got to do with monetary. It's just, you know, reminiscing and just, it's amazing how he turned out, you know what I mean? So, I mean, I turned out great, too. Like I said, I ain't got no regrets. But it's just nobody ever would have thought that Master P would be who he is. And then what trips me out is how many people shout about Kanye talking about some gold Master P films is just a fragment of my imagination to I'm body about it like Master P, Jay-Z, you know what I mean? It's just like, I'm like, is this nigga paying these people or what? <laughs> Uh, but they just give uh, it, they give it up to him because of that eighty twenty and how he tempts the system, you know. Stuff we're gonna let you guys check out. You gave me uh, like a mix uh, with uh, 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 what is it? This is the original EP. 
Yeah, we start off, like I said, with No Limits. Then it go into uh, What's the Deal. That's the original What's the Deal EP, those two tracks. And then it goes into, you know, The Untouchables' very first project. Mind so these the first two tracks, were these two rele- was it, were these versions ever released? I mean, just on the streets. It was out that like the out the trunk stuff. You know, what I mean, okay. it wasn't polished, but people people was impressed with it because I was just I thought it was genius that Master P would take a picture of a picture and and then you know get the graphics and sit it on the side. I mean, the font and then bend the cover and put it in the jewel case. Because we didn't have these computers and printers like we got now, or you know, mailbox et cetera, or whatever you yeah, gonna go. Yeah, crafty we, with the scissors and paste, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I thought that was dope. I mean, seriously, I thought that yeah. was like I, I wasn't ashamed of the shit. I mean, it was tacky a little bit, but it was better than nothing. You know what I mean? Because we couldn't afford it. Hey, you know, <laughs> you know it got the the uh, the point across. And it, yep. you know, eventually it went from that to, uh, you know what I'm saying, number one billboard records and, you know, platinum exactly. plaques. And so it yep. started, that's the what we're talking about now, folks, this is the foundation, you know what I'm saying, exactly. the very beginning. You can't, you can't have a building without the foundation. It's impossible. Exactly. Um, that's the brick and mortar. That's the humble beginning. The brick right and there. mortar, man. It's, uh, yep. you know. Uh, again, man, uh, where would they be if it wasn't, you know, if, if certain people like yourself uh, weren't in the mix? You know what I'm saying? Everything exactly. has to click and align at the, at the right time. And uh, It's like, yeah, it's like molding a know? basketball player or Jordan or Kobe. It's like it takes a village. I mean, you got all these different coaches and you're not doing all this stuff by yourself. I mean, you're learning as you go. You know what I mean? Everybody giving you a little bit of game. Learning as you go, and uh, the people along the way help shape, you know what I'm saying, what you're doing. Um, And that's true for everything in life, you know. Um, Exactly. DJ Grandmaster Scratch, I want to thank you for uh, taking the time out to talk to us today. Um, Then we're going to play this song. Actually, this mix, you know what I'm saying, it's the first No Limit release. Um, you guys take care. Man, we'll be at you real soon. Hopefully we can uh, have some more early No Limit guys, you know what I'm saying, from Richmond and, and uh, you know, other areas, man, that want to chop it up with us. We'd love to hear from them. Make yeah, sure to go I to youtiesforlife.com. Hey, we appreciate you. And uh, you and yours be safe during this, uh, you know, crazy pandemic and all these this crazy times we're going through, brother. Most, most definitely. You and your family too, man. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Be careful. This is uh, uh, Early Master P, DJ Grandmaster Scratch, right here on the Murder Master Music Show. Please believe Yo, P, you ready? Let's show you suckers what's up. No, 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 no limit. There's a lot of perpetrators trying to steal beats who make money. But they're deceased. Before you clap your hands or something old. Listen to the master. Why, P? I'm in control. It's not a game. Some rap for the money and the fame. No limit. No, no, I like no to limit. entertain. I made it straight to the top. I'm on the roll. 
sucker say damn, the record went gold. No limit. Very legible, seen by the public. With millions of listeners, everybody love it. Cause I'm shite, shite within shite. Don't like to brag on my riches, but man, I'm living all right. You will, remember my name. I like to send a no limit thanks out to God for making all this happen. The no limit crew. Grandmaster Scratch, my DJ. My Grandmaster Scratch, my DJ. My Grandmaster Scratch, Grandmaster Scratch, Grandmaster Scratch, Grandmaster Scratch, my DJ. My family, Sonia, Romeo, Charles, April, Donnie, C. Also, no limit records. Hey, little studio, all my fans, everybody support me. Rich Town, HTP, New Orleans. And some juicy juice to my homeboys chilling in the city. Yo, enough said. Let me break off this mic and go spend some of these dis dollars I made. You know what I'm saying? Go show for bring the limo out. Get you on the rebound. It's been fun. Peace. Oh, man. That's the mind of a psychopath. I got, I got some for your ass, dumb 
Because when you didn't have no money, you wasn't shit. So you're making that meal, it's kinda risky. You thinking fuck, she thinking rag to the rich. So this is the shit, you gotta pick me the dog, a bitch to fall in love with another man freak. But if you laugh, ain't a damn thing funny, cause you know to pet like tea. Life ain't nothing but bitches and money.